they're in love with the wrong thing because entrepreneurship is going through this period of sexiness where we've glorified successful entrepreneurs on social media and you're seeing a lifestyle that you think they live um people are are enamored with what they think comes of it right and what they fail to realize is the reason the successful entrepreneurs are successful is they're in love with the process not the outcome the outcome is the result so if you don't love the process if you don't want to work your goddamn ass off and understand if you compete with me I'm bringing it, so you better be ready to work hard. Um, and there's people like me in every industry that are going to work, outwork you. So you got to be ready. If you're not willing to do that and you don't love the process and ready to take the, the ups and downs that come with it, then go work for a company and you can work for a startup and get the startup environment, but go home without any stress at night. If you listen to this podcast and find anything at all valuable, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Billy Garton Jr. so I can see it and repost that to my story. Also, if you have any questions or inquiries about what you want me to speak about on this podcast, I want to know. Message me at Billy Garton Jr. and I'll be sure to get back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garton Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, We'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport. People who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. Starting out my podcast, it was fundamental to me that I make it as professional as possible. And I could not do that without the help of Podcast Backdrops. Make sure you check out Podcast Backdrops on Instagram and put in the code Billy Garten to receive a special discount. Now let's dive into the episode. Denzel Washington once said, Imagine you're on your deathbed, and standing around your bed are the ghosts representing your unfulfilled potential. The ghosts of the ideas you never acted on. The ghosts of the talents you didn't use. And they're standing around your bed. Angry. Disappointed. Upset. We came to you because you could have brought us to life, they say. And now we have to go to the grave together. How many ghosts are going to be around your bed when your time comes? Well, for our guest today, the answer will most certainly be none. Jeff Fenster, the CEO of superfood brand Everball. Everball has done over $10 million in revenue in 2019, and if I'm correct in saying, is on track to hit about $17 to $18 million in revenue this year. He has over 450 employees, and they have about 30 locations now. He is the founder and CEO of companies such as Superfuel Coffee, Real Happy Foods, We Build, 
and Canopy HR, among many others. He's a serial entrepreneur who understands the power of relationship capital, sales, and building businesses, as he has been able to do consistently. But that is not the reason why he can answer this question with a big, resounding no. What most people don't know is that Jeff went to law school to be a sports agent. He was going to go to Lee Steinberg's sports agency. Yet he left law school with no idea what to do, got a job selling payroll for ADP so he could pay off student loans. And from there, he became the number one sales rep in the country. From there, he left the, comp- the, left the country, left the company, sorry. He moved in with his parents with a fiance and a child. And today, we're going to unravel his entire story. The risk-taking, the success early The thoughts of student loans and what it takes to create the ideal life that he has managed to manifest for himself, despite, like I said before, a fiancé and a child. So, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. We're incredibly humbled to have you. Well, thank you for having me. And and I got to be honest, Billy, I've done a handful of these, and that was one of the best intros, just your passion, your, your own perspective on the story. That was awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So... Jeff, as I do with a lot of my guests, I like to unravel, um, go back to where it all started. I've got a very young audience who are trying to navigate this path for themselves. So you obviously went to law school and you're in a completely different world now. Where was that pivot for yourself? What was the mindset needed for you during this stage to to pivot into the world you're in now? Well, you know, I went to law school to be a sports agent. And when my third year of law school, I had a daughter and got engaged and realized that my future was either going to be one where I was traveling and representing professional athletes all around the world and and never really being home, or I was going to be home to be a father and a husband and raise my daughter. And um, I chose the latter. So when I graduated, I I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I never wanted to be a lawyer. So having a law degree was great, but I wasn't going to practice as a traditional lawyer. And I needed to make money. I mean, I had six figures in law school loans, which I'm sure a lot of uh, your audience, if they're younger, have student loans. And so it was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? I got a daughter, a fiance, debt. And so I got a job, as you mentioned, selling payroll at ADP, simply because I had a friend who who got me the job and I was good in sales. And I understood the power of relationships and I understood solution-based selling. And so it just seemed like a natural fit. And um, yeah, I was extremely successful there. I leveraged a lot of concepts that I had learned over my high school and college uh, years by interning and surrounding myself with the right people and and being aware and constantly investing in education and learning. Um, I was very successful. And I thought, hey, this is great. You know, I was working 15, 20 hours a week, golfing four days a week, making six, I made over six figures in my first six months, first to make President's Club, number one in the country. It was great. I had this big ego. I was like, this is the best. This is uh, this is going to be my career. And I had a $17,000 annual bonus in my contract, which I had earned in January. And when I went to my boss and said, can I have it? They told me I had to wait to the end of the fiscal year. So I wouldn't get it until July because the fiscal year ends in June. And I just remember feeling like this wave of, of depression or upsetness or like I was stuck in a prison. Like I just saw my future of me trading my time and having to wait for, for things that I've earned. And, and I don't, I don't operate that way. Like if I, if I earn it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't like the idea. Like if I'm the number one sales rep, the number one, and I can't convince them to give me my bonus, then what if I'm number 20? What if I'm number 27? Yeah. You know, there's no, there's nothing there. I can't, I have no leverage. And yeah. so 
um, I had just bought a house too, you know, literally we had moved in in December, uh, to my brand new house, my first house. And I bought it with the money I was making. And so I just remember going home and telling my fiance and my daughter, and, you know, I'd like to sell the house, move in with my mom and dad and bring our daughter and, and go start my own business and start my own payroll company because fuck ADP. And then that was my attitude. You know, I had, I had the chip on my shoulder. I had the ego and I was like, well, I sold all this business for them. I could sell it for myself and yeah. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to show them, you know, that they're making a mistake. And she was supportive. And so I literally, she said, yes, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. And so I, I literally quit the very next day, uh, sold my house, moved in with my mom and dad, fiance and daughter and uh, started my own company. And, and you know, back in 2007, we weren't really called entrepreneurs. It was a business owner. You know, this was before social media, uh, before the smartphone existed, like, before, or, you know, the iPhone, like we didn't have any of that. So yeah. um, it was really like, you're just a business owner and you don't know anything about payroll. And so everyone around me said I was crazy. Um, and maybe I was, but, but I always just figured I could always go get a job again. Like what was holding me back, what everyone thought was like, how could you leave? Like you're, you have such a good job. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but I'm the talent in my job. So if I come back, you know, someone else will hire me and I'll sell something else, yeah. but I can, I can always go get a job. Uh, this was my chance. And, you know, the other thing that I find a lot of people use as, as crutches or excuses to not, not pursue is they'll say, well, I have children or I have a mortgage. Well, I had both of those too. Um, I had a mortgage and I had a daughter and I had six figures in law school loans when I quit. But if you're not willing to pursue the best version of yourself and, and, make yourself happy and, and chase whatever it is that you're after, well, then you don't deserve it, really. So um, what what are you teaching your children? I mean, really, at the end of the day, you know, my dad, he's a doctor and or was, he's retired. Uh, but he was like, are you crazy? Like he was trying his <laughs> hardest to convince me not to leave because, you know, in his world, he had a career and he's like, Jeff, you, yeah. you're making ridiculous money. Like, what are you doing? You have yeah. a child. Like, you can't be selfish. Yeah. And I said, dad, I think I'm being selfless because I'm giving up easy money to show my child the future, my future, my, you know, who a future member of society that you go after what you want with a hundred percent and you, you don't stay prisoner to something else. And that's what I'm hopefully teaching her. Um, and same thing with my fiance. Like I'm, I'm showing them that I'm going to do what I can to create a, a happy version of me and a better life for them. And I think that those are the reasons that people need to, to think about instead of, oh, I have a mortgage. Well, if your mortgage in your house is worth more than your happiness, then stay in the house. <laughs> um, but a house is a house. I, I can tell you, I sold my house in 2007. I bought a new house in 2009. The house I bought in 2009 was twice as big as the house I owned in 2007. I love it. Jeff, right? so, for context, how old were you when you made this decision? 24. 24 years old. So the age of a lot of the struggling young hustlers at the moment. And I think an incredibly honorable thing about you, Jeff, is that you weren't failing in this life when you made this pivot, you know? And, and a huge thing that I've learned this year and, and at least in the past two years of my entrepreneurial journey is success is not monetary. You know, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. And you hit the nail on the head there when you said, are you going to put your home or your happiness first? And so... On top of that, I mean, a massive question that I have for you is, did you always understand or believe so wholeheartedly that you were going to be successful? Or did you just think, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to give it a go. And if it fails, I'm going to go back to whatever I'm doing. Well, 
I'm a little unique in that I don't judge success the way most people do. Um, I don't think success is something that may or may not happen because it's a formula. It's math. Two plus two is four, right? So if I have $2 and you give me $2, I will have $4. I don't have to like, fuck it, give it a try or (laughs) risk or worry. Like if I have $2, you give me $2, I'm going to have four. Success is pretty much formulaic like that. And what I mean is, is when you understand, and again, this is unique to all walks of life. So if you're a singer, success, it means that you develop the necessary skills and you put in the hard work, you will be successful. You will have a career in anything that, that you're passionate and you love and you're good at and you invest yourself into, success can be obtained. Now, if you decide success is, I need to be a billion dollar company. Okay. Well, that that's different, right? That's an outcome. I don't care about the outcome. I care about, to answer your question, successful. Successful to me is doing what I love every day, giving my best, making sure that when I'm done with my craft, what, how I'm spending my time on this planet, that, that I left no, no potential left in my cup, that's success. So I'm going to be successful because I'm, I know the formula. I'm going to work very hard and, and outwork my competition. I'm going to stay educated. I'm going to be change ready. I'm going to use, do it now. And I'm going to Kaizen and I'm going to be successful. Now, if you attach monetary reasons to it, yeah, of course. I mean, everyone has dreams, you know, and what's funny about dreams is I don't care how much money you make. There's another layer higher that, (laughs) you know, is always there. Um, but it's the score, you know, it's, I didn't get to be a professional athlete, but if you think about a professional athlete's career, they have a hall of fame at the end, right? They have team hall of fame, professional hall of fame. They, they get their numbers retired in, in stadiums. They get statues built of them. Uh, they get clothing named after them. That that's very easy to decide how good you were. Yeah. But in my profession, in entrepreneurship and business ownership, success and having a hall of fame career, yeah, there's a monetary component. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. If I sell a company for nine figures, I reached a plateau that makes me a Hall of Famer. If I yeah. sell a company for five figures, well, lots of people have done that, <laughs> which is fine. Um, I don't chase that outcome. But when it's all said and done, of course, you know, I'm competitive. And um, I, I've sold a company for six figures and seven figures and, and, and eight figures. And I want to get to nine figures. And that's the plan. I'm working towards that goal Mm -hmm. and I'm doing the stuff every day that ensures I will be successful, whether or not I ever reach that objective. I don't know. Um, And I know I took a long winded way to answer your question, but at the beginning, that's how I appreciated success. I didn't say I need to build a million dollar company and I'm already cashing those checks. I said, fuck ADP. I'm going to take them down. And they were the number one company in the world at payroll. I mean, they're enormous. They're like a top 100 size company on the planet. And I went right after them because (laughs) that's what my target was. Now, I was never going to grow a company as size of of ADP. That that was not going to happen. So I didn't make that success. What I made success is I no longer work for them and I make more money. And then I grew the company and I stole those clients and I got all of the benefits I wanted. And then we sold it. Did you, making this decision, Jeff, because a lot of people would make a decision based on logic. Some people would make it based on heart, right? Did you have these entrepreneurial tendencies that you knew you had the capabilities to do? Or is it solely just because I fucking love this and I'm also pissed off that I didn't get this bonus, so I'm going to kill them? <laughs> um, no, I, again, entrepreneurship wasn't talked about. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't a word. Like yeah. We were business owners back then. So yeah. it was you went to school you got went to college, you got a job, 
and you worked your way up. And that's what we were all taught in the eighties and nineties. Like that's what it was. It wasn't like today where it's like entrepreneurship is this thing. Um, so I didn't know about it because I, it wasn't defined. It, it didn't exist. Um, I never thought of being a business owner. It was never something in my head growing up. Like I need to be an entrepreneur. Never, never crossed my mind. Um, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur, which is a different kind yeah. of entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, I'm somebody who starts lots of companies and I like to come in with zero experience and come into new industries again and again, because I think it gives me a competitive advantage. Um, and as a result of that, when I was younger, I could never see myself doing any one thing forever. Yeah. Which is why I was going to become a sports agent because I love sports. So I was like, well, God, do something. Let's figure that out. But I could never be a lawyer every day for the next 40 years or a doctor or a teacher or I mean, I just I would get bored. And um, so that translates to serial entrepreneurship. But yeah. I don't know if it was a tendency. I think that's such a unique perspective. The I have a competitive advantage by going into an industry that I don't really know what what do you feel? What is it that makes you feel that that gives you an advantage? Well, then, so I'll use the, my recent venture Everbull. Um, you know, when I started Everbull and I, I'll never forget, I was out to dinner with my parents and I was with my wife and my two kids and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to start a restaurant. And my dad said, are you nuts? Nine out of 10 restaurants fail. (laughs) And my mom said, you don't know how to cook. And my wife jokingly added, all you do in a kitchen is eat and make a mess. (laughs) So why would I start a restaurant? But Think about that. Nine out of 10 restaurants fail, but 99 out of 100 restaurants are started by people with restaurant experience. So your experience gives you a 90% failure rate. What do I need that for? I can fail on my own. I don't need to have experience to fail. I can just try, right? So I come in with fresh eyes. So I'm not blinded by doing things the way the industry has always said to do it. That's why there's such a high failure rate. Everyone's doing the same shit wrong again and again and again and wondering why it's not working. And then 10% of them figure it out and they're working and it's hard to decipher the differences. So I didn't know better. And I just said, so I don't need that experience. I'm coming in with fresh eyes. I'm going to take, you know, it was 2016 when I started Everbowl, but I'm going to take 2016 thinking or today, 2020 thinking. Like if I started a restaurant today, knowing what I know about COVID, it'd be a very different experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So I get to use that fresh eyes, that fresh perspective. I'm not blinded for the forest, for the trees. Um, and I get to come in and then same thing for ideas, right? A lot of ideas have been thought about, but weren't applied appropriately or tried and failed 10 years ago, but technology is different today, yeah. right? So there's just a lot of people think that experience gets you something you, you can learn about and read about anything. I mean, the beauty of today is technology. I can learn anything on YouTube or Google in a matter of an hour. I mean, literally anything. So you had no uh, knowledge yeah. of, of the superfood industry or very little knowledge of the superfood industry before going in? No, that's not true. Superfoods have always been dear to my heart. Right. So I've always been importing superfoods and ingesting them. I, I like to uh, hack my health and, and you know, prevent disease and illness. And so yeah. superfoods have always been a walk of life for me as a hobby, yeah. as a personal interest. Yeah. Running a restaurant, never had any experience. So we treated it like an entertainment business and just said, well, this is what we're going to do. And so a great example is, you know, how did I get customers when I first started? I gave away free food. I mean, it's not rocket science. People will take free food. If they like it, they'll come back. If they don't, they won't. Yeah. So we opened our doors and we gave away free bowls and let people come in and experience Everbowl. And from there, our our tribe started to grow. We had a fan base. People started to enjoy the experience. They liked the product. So they started to come. And then 
predicated on our own core philosophies of culture and making friends and having fun, we retain that, that customer base and it allowed us to scale and grow. Nowhere does it, the experience matter, right? I mean, you can hire a chef. Yeah. You can hire people to help if your recipes aren't good. You can hire a marketing agency if your marketing isn't good. Just start the company and figure it out, right? Each day you're going to get and learn and stack wins and and experience and figure all this stuff out. And so, um, you know, that's why I believe experience is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company. <laughs> I love that. I think that's such a unique perspective, but such a valuable perspective for for my audience and really anyone in general. To give people a little bit of perspective, Jeff, you had knowledge in the superfood industry and an extreme knowledge because you'd been practicing it yourself and, and experimenting yourself, but that's about it. So give people an overview as to what that early phase was like when you decided, I'm going to do this. What the fuck now? <laughs> sure. Um, so the success formula that I use is I work backwards. And so I decided, okay, I want to be a national chain coast to coast in every city. Think Chipotle. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted, all right, if I'm going to do it, the prize has to be worth the effort. So I might as well swing for, for the absolute top. Yeah. And so I said, okay, we want to be McDonald's. We want to be Chipotle of superfoods. And so I started to, the beauty is they're public companies. Right. So I can go read their shareholder reports and listen to what the CEO and CMO and CFO are talking about every quarter to the public because they're owned by the public. I can buy one share of Chipotle and now I own, a, I own I'm an owner of Chipotle. I'm entitled to learn their what they're doing, what their learnings have been. And if you read those things, you're getting the top, top minds on the in their space in the industry sharing a blueprint for their future success. OK. <laughs> So let's take that and dumb that down to what we have to do today. Right. And so that's really the process is I start with my big audacious goal and I work backwards. Okay. Well, I'm not there. I don't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Now we get down to my single location. Let's come up with a name. Right. Yeah. Like I didn't have a name yet. So I signed the (laughs) lease. I didn't have a name. Um, And I signed the lease actually just on a whim because I had always said I was going to do this and, and I had an opportunity present itself. I was in Poway, California, getting a smoothie at the Smoothie King on July 22nd, 2016. And the owner of the bill of the Smoothie King was taking his like equipment out of the bit, out of the uh, building into his van. And I said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm closing on Friday. Um, I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm retiring. And I'm like, oh, what's coming here? And he's like, well, I don't know. I tried to sell the business, but no one bought it. So I said, can I have the landlord's name? And she, he gave me the landlord's name. And on August 2nd, I signed a lease for that location um, without a name, just knowing that I was going to open a superfood concept. And I decided that this was going to be the location because there was a Smoothie King there for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he had enough success the last 30 years. So I was like, well, at a minimum, I'm going to pick up his clientele. They're going to come try my, my product. And that's how I did it. And then from there, it was like, all right, let's figure out a name. Let's figure out our branding. Let's figure out a menu. Um, let's put a menu together. Let's build the restaurant. And then we opened in, um, October. Do you believe in fate? (laughs) Not really. No. So Uh, I believe in hard work. Yeah. Hey there, young aspirers. I wanted to take a break here and just talk to you about how I started my podcast. So starting a podcast can be quite daunting. You got to figure out camera equipment. You got to figure out sound, microphone, background, lighting, and that can be hard to think of. But when I found Blossom Media Studio, they made it so easy for me to just focus on what I actually care about, which is speaking to my guests on a weekly basis. 
Everything from pre to post-production gets taken care of. All I have to do is do what I enjoy, show up and record. So big thanks to Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to the episode. So you don't look at uh, that event on that day and think that that was there for a reason. You just think that that was coincidental. No, I think that I, I think of life and I think one of the things I teach people is to have more hooks in the water. Um, and you know, you know what luck and fate, luck, fate, it's all the same. It's when preparation meets opportunity. And the truth is we all walk through life and dumb luck finds us and unluck finds us, right? You run into both head first. The difference is you always know when you're unlucky, you don't always capitalize on when you are lucky, right? So you always, you remember hundred percent of the times you've been unlucky, Yeah. Uh, but you don't always know the times you've been lucky because you miss them. You're not aware of the opportunity. And so um, therefore you don't capitalize and therefore you don't realize that you missed out on your lucky moment. So I got lucky that that happened, but I was prepared to sign the lease. If I had said, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I always wanted to start a restaurant. And then I went home and was like, maybe I've always been talking about starting a restaurant. Well, there's this location. And then I don't do anything. And then a month goes by and I don't take action. And then never in my life did I start ever bowl. And I never got that lucky fate moment where I found that location. No, I was just prepared for the world because I'm always looking for opportunity an opportunity that I can capitalize on. I'm an opportunist. And so when I saw that opportunity, I said, well, I know how to grow businesses. I know how to make businesses successful. I understand the formula, right? I'm not extraordinary or unique. I'm an ordinary guy who figured out what extra stuff to do every day to make extraordinary things happen. And that's what everyone can do yeah. once you figure out the formula. It's just understanding and learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of businesses fail, not because they don't have a good product or a good service or the, or the founders or executives don't work hard. They fail because they just don't understand the formula. They're doing the wrong things. They're focusing on the wrong things. And that's the distinguishing factor. So for me, it was like, well, if the restaurant doesn't work, I'll do something else with it. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't like I, where someone else, better a better way to explain it is some people have this idea for a restaurant and it's completely polished. It's perfect. They know everything in their mind. Now they go and try to do that. And they're so in love with their version of their idea that they can't understand when things aren't working and they don't find out till it's too late and it dies. Yeah. When conceptually it was a good idea, it just needed to be adapted it needed to pivot it needed to be like a flag in the wind it needed to have some give so it could change directions if the wind changes yeah well that's what i do with businesses so when i started everbull i didn't have a name yet but it was gonna be a superfood restaurant if everbull didn't work out we would have been thrive bull right we would have changed the, the name and changed the concept and kept trying until we figured out what success meant for us yeah and we're not sold or married to the idea so much that we're not going to adapt if the wind changes. So if we feel the wind changing direction, our flag changes direction with the wind. And we make sure that we are moving towards success and it's sustainable, scalable, and eventually exitable. So it's, it's loving the industry, but not necessarily falling so much in love with the, the specific model. I mean, conceptually, yes. I mean, the industry, maybe not, I don't like the word industry in your, in your definition, but it's, it's, it's loving the, concept of what you're entering into so if i'm a payroll company you know my payroll business we ended up growing from a payroll company to a technology company right 
Like mm-hmm. Facebook is not really a social media platform. It's an advertising platform, right? Mm-hmm. Most people look at Facebook as a social media platform and it is, but they don't care. They just need eyeballs and impressions so they can sell advertising. Yeah. They're just changing what they're doing. And so you just got to be willing as a business, as jumping into a business to understand, I don't care how much you think, you know, what's going to happen in the next five years. None of that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be completely different and you've got to be able to pivot and adapt and change to navigate the waters like a flag. Otherwise, if you're too stiff, you break. Yeah. And, 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 and that's kind of uh, why for me, I was prepared to take the opportunity because I could turn that building into something successful, yeah. whether or not it was going yeah. to be Everbull. I mean, yeah, I hope so. We all want it to be what we want it to be. And we try. Yeah. And luckily with Everbull, it worked, but I mean, I've had 14 companies before Everbull and not all of them were successful. Yeah. Right. I've had some that, that failed miserably. Yeah. Um, and I've learned these lessons. And so it's important, especially for your audience to, to understand, like when you hear people who come on and share with the wins, just keep in mind, there's losses along the way. I just don't talk about them because yeah. um, I learned what I needed to learn. And now it's move on. Like, yeah. forget about it. Have your pity party and let's go win the next one. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. Do you believe losses are inevitable? That they have Absolutely. to happen? Because a lot of people... And there's a saying that right when you're on the brink of success, that's when a lot of people quit, right? That's when a lot of people decide that this isn't for me. You've obviously had some right. success, some failed companies. Do you believe that that, that that failure is inevitable? And, and what is the process of just not giving up or knowing actually, in fact, that whether you're cut out for this or whether you aren't? Well, I mean, I, yes, I think loss is inevitable because if you're not trying new things, then you're not going to survive anyway and you're going to go extinct. So um, making mistakes and learning, losing, learning your, your choice of, of how you want to call it yeah. along the journey makes you better. And so, you know, if you think about companies that don't try new things, think of Blockbuster. They didn't try new things and they died because Netflix came. <clears throat> think of the wagon before the Model T car, yeah. right? Think of BlackBerry before the iPhone. I mean, in 2007, we all had Blackberries. (laughs) The fact that BlackBerry is an iPhone is a failure by BlackBerry to try something new and risk failing or seeing if it doesn't work. And it's that same thing. If you're afraid to try, you're not going to try. If you don't try, whether or not you're successful today, you will become extinct. People who are constantly trying new things and taking risks and calculated risks and learning. Again, if you don't learn from it, it's catastrophic. Yeah. If I go yeah. try something and I don't learn and it doesn't work and I don't learn anything, um, it's catastrophic because I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. Whatever yeah. made me lose, I'm going to, I'm going to lose again. So those are the things that you learn to raise your floor. Like as you're evolving and you're getting better at your craft as an entrepreneur and you're navigating business, the failures, the mistakes, the issues that don't go your way, understand what happened, apply those learnings to your craft and then next time, you're better for it. Yeah, it's almost like a vaccine. Do you have right? to rid of of expectation and judgment in order to do that? In order to pivot, is that something that's would you say is fundamental to you? Yeah, I don't care what other people say about me. But what about your own expectation of of how things are going to look? Is that an important aspect or not? No, because again, as I said earlier, I don't put an expectation on the outcome. I put an expectation on the hustle. Right. I, I, I can as long as I give a hundred percent of my effort, a hundred percent, not ninety nine point seven, not well, I don't feel like I'm going to hang out with the with the 
guys today and screw up. Like if I give my best, what else can I do? Yeah. I mean, honestly, what else can I do but my absolute best? So if I give my absolute best, then I'm going to be successful. And that's my version of success. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, we can't all run the fastest, right? If you yeah. can fastest people in the world race someone's going to finish last yeah um can they be mad at themselves they're 10th in the world yeah. no i mean they ran as fast as they could run same thing all i can do is my best but that's the criteria that young entrepreneurs fail fail to understand is only metric you care about is do your damn best yeah you know and i promise you if the first one doesn't work the second one will or the third one will or the fifth one because you're going to be learning that's the difference. That that experience that I joke about is so overrated. Yes, the experience in industry is overrated because all businesses are the same. Yeah. They they don't seem like they're the same. And you can give me excuses or answers as to how each business is different. At the end of the day, the fundamentals of business, if it's a for-profit business, did you make more money than you spent today? Yes or no? Yeah. If the answer is no, you're going out of business. It's a question of when. Yeah. If the answer is yes, you'll stay in business forever. If you spend a dollar and you make a dollar oh one, you'll never go out of business, <laughs> right? Every day. 100%. So, so, so when you fundamentally understand that, it's like just do your best and and create opportunity for yourself by putting hooks in the water. And the more hooks you put in the water, the more luck chances of getting lucky happen. And then you're prepared to capitalize when that luck knocks, and that turns into your wins. And you stack those on top of continual progression and skill set with a hundred percent dedication and effort. And success happens every time. And it's just a matter now of of what you decide you want to sink your teeth into. Like, what are your passions? I think this is a, an incredibly unique perspective and one that from a, from a high level, I'd like to sort of pivot based on something you said before about not necessarily judging yourself, right? In this day and age, from personal experience and from speaking to other people, our biggest enemy is often ourselves, and our own yep. head and our own mindset. And it seems like you just take out all judgment as long as you are giving 100% effort. 100. And most people don't do that. Is that is that, along with that effort, hard work, are there any other fundamentals in terms of creating success, whatever your definition may be? Well, yeah, world? I mean, I have, I, I have five core values to me that equal my success formula. Um, and as long as I stay true to these five uh, core values, I'm successful. And the first two are make friends and have fun. And that's the foundation for me to do anything. That's the two rules to work at Everbull. <clears throat> that's how I start a company. I don't do business with people I don't like. Okay. I don't do things that I don't like. And I try to make as many friends as I can. And if I'm not having fun, I'm, I'm done because I can't be my best self if I'm not making friends and having fun. Yeah. And then from there, the next three are... So those two are like the foundation. And then from there, the next three are the, the, the first one is do it now, um, because too often people have someday in their mind and nothing ever gets done on someday. Yeah. So, um, you know, you do it now. And then uh, number four is um, basically Kaizen to, or it is Kaizen, but yeah. it, it means to get one percent better every day that you're yeah. consistently improving and you're setting micro goals, you're obtaining them and you're constantly increasing your capability so you stay relevant, you stay capable, and, and you can continue to thrive. And, and once you have a lead, it's very hard to catch someone who's consistently getting better. Yeah. And then the last one is being change ready and, and understanding that whatever worked yesterday isn't going to work tomorrow. And, and like a flag, you better be ready to change if the wind changes and not hold like hold on to this idea of who you were 
or who you still want to be when the industry doesn't want it anymore or the industry's evolved. You know, that's how I beat ADP in paychecks and all those big companies is we created a technology aspect to payroll that was done by paper before. And these big companies were slow to change. So I changed quickly and I was the offering for the people once the smartphone started to come out in 2008 and 2009 and 2010 with the iPhone. People are like, what's this cool technology? They wanted to do payroll through it. We were the payroll option while ADP was still pushing paper. And that's how you can beat a gorilla or a giant with being, you know, being change ready. So those five core values, um, nowhere in there did I care what anyone thinks. Nowhere in there did I care what I think. My opinion of myself, it's, yeah, of course, you need to feel have confidence. But confidence comes by setting micro goals and stacking wins. It's not this, like, you're looking at me extremely confident because I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. Um, but it starts with what can you do today to get 1% better? Each one of those core values of mine stack on each other. So if you, if you Kaizen your day and get 1% better, I'm going to get 1% better at blank. You know, I don't know what you're doing. Google ads, being a chef, running a mile, working out, eating better, being better to your kids. It doesn't really matter. You get 1% better. When you put your head in the pillow, you improved. So you're going to be like, Hey, that was pretty good. I can do that. Then tomorrow you get 1% better. And then seven days from now, you're, you're like 9.3% better because of compounding, right? And all of a sudden, you're like confident. You're like, hey, I got this. I'm, I'm seeing improvement. Yeah. I'm feeling improvement. I'm watching progress. And consistent dedication towards improvement creates progress. Progress creates confidence. And confidence makes it so you stop thinking poorly about yourself. Yeah. So it's just simplifying it down to understand that, that people look at and they want, they want the Ferrari today but they don't even have a driver's license. It's like, well, that's cool. I mean, you can buy it, maybe lease it, but why don't you just focus on getting that driver's license and then, or riding a bicycle yeah. and get movement. And then before long, you have the Ferrari. Yeah. You said the word simplify in there. And I think that's exactly what I was going to say that I'm realizing about you and an entrepreneurial tendency that is, that is incredibly, there's allowed you to create incredible successes. You're amazing at simplifying everything in what is deemed as a very complicated world. Stop. I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk directly to you. What do you care about? What is your deepest passion in this world? That is what you need to be doing consistently. So now that you know that, how can we align your content with those goals so you can build a personal brand that sells? That's everything we touch on in my eight-week personal branding accelerator. I'm opening up my next 50 spots as we speak. So DM me on Instagram at Billy Garton Jr. and we'll hop on a quick 10-minute phone call to see if you're a good fit. Now back to the episode. I want to touch on, I think it was the third one that you said, the third pillar, the do it now pillar. Yes. Right? For young yep. entrepreneurs, myself included, who want to become these high achievers, right? They've got all these ideas. They've got all these things on their plate. They're filling their day with all these things. How can you do everything now? right? Obviously you can't. So what are the pillars for you that are like the most important to do now? Is it based on money? Is it based on turnover? Is it based on idea? What is the most important to just do now? I mean, it, it that's a tough question because it's so subjective. Yeah. Um, basically, if you flip a coin, if you have to decide between two things and you flip a coin, whichever side you root for is the side you should do. I mean, you got to do what you need to do. So if it's talking professionally, um, Start with the most important rule of the day. Got to stay in business today. So anything that's going to impact that, you do it first, right? That's the number one business rule. Did you survive today? Don't worry about tomorrow. Survive today. Tomorrow will take care of itself tomorrow. 
<clears throat> so if your business decision is going to impact something that's going to keep you in business, you do it right now. Um, if it's not, and you just go layer from layer back. I mean, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and do emails mostly because it's a waste of my day to do it in the middle of the day when I can be actually communicating with people physically or, or out in the world making things happen. Sitting there staring at an inbox that isn't going anywhere, I can do that at any time. So I do that at a different time. But more the do it now ideology or, or core value, the way I apply it and what it means to me and how I use it is more of when ideas come or or motivation to do something comes, do it. So often it's not done simply because people just don't do it. Yeah. And then time goes by. <clears throat> and like the lease in Poway, if I don't call that landlord from my car in that parking lot, what are the chances I'm actually going to make that happen? They're going to go down statistically throughout the day until I never do it. Right. And so many people are going to listen to this podcast and go, shit, I know so many ideas I had that I never did. You're right. So stop fucking around and do it. Yeah. Do it now and let the rest take care of itself. Because if you do it now, then you're going to start. As soon as you start, you're going to Kaizen. As soon as you Kaizen, you're going to grow and scale. And, and that's just what's going to happen. Again, it's two plus two is four. And so if you want to live complicated, you can, you can look at all this ancillary <laughs> stuff. But if you just paint by number, you can build success for yourself in whatever walk of life you're in. Do you believe that some people just aren't cut out for it? Yes. I think most people aren't cut out for it. Right. And what are And I say most I say most simply because they're they're in love with the wrong thing. Because entrepreneurship is going through this period of sexiness where we've glorified successful entrepreneurs on social media and you're seeing a lifestyle that you think they live. Um, <laughs> people are are enamored with what they think comes of it, right? Yeah. And what they fail to realize is the reason the successful entrepreneurs are successful is they're in love with the process not the outcome. The outcome is the result. So if you don't love the process, if you don't want to work your goddamn ass off and understand if you compete with me, I'm bringing it. So you better be ready to work hard. Um, and there's people like me in every industry that are going to work outwork you. So you got to be ready. If you're not willing to do that and you don't love the process and ready to take the, the ups and downs that come with it, then go work for a company and you can work for a startup and get the startup environment, but go home without any stress at night. Yeah. Um, you know, so this is, this is cut out for a different kind of mindset. If you have this mindset though, I think it's the best. And um, I want more people to join and become entrepreneurs who should be, but are sitting on the sidelines afraid or sitting on the sidelines unsure because they're not sure how to do it or, or they don't, they just aren't ready yet, but they're cut out for it mentally. Yeah. I want to help incentivize them to get off the couch, do it now and come, start their company and, and grow. And let's, let's make this world better through innovation and through startups and hire more people. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who don't, there's nothing wrong with being a number two, a number three or number 6,000 at a company, right? There's nothing wrong with stability of that lifestyle. And you get to just focus on your craft. If you're more excited about your one craft, business ownership is not what you should be doing because that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So for you and, and this, employee slash business owner mindset hard work is number one is that correct oh well hard work beats talent when talent i mean i win more often than not just because i outwork people i mean that's how i made it on sports teams you know i'm five foot nine 165 pounds i was a, i was a running back in high school <laughs> um it's because when coach blows the whistle i run my ass off yeah. when when we go do something i give 100 percent of myself and so when the guy who's more talented than me faster stronger and bigger give 60%, guess who looks better more often? I do. Yeah. 
Yeah. I win. Yeah. It's just sheer effort. Effort you can bring every day. Yeah. No one controls that. No one gets unlucky with effort, right? You bring it or you don't. Yeah. And when you bring it every day, you become unstoppable. Yeah. Are there certain things for you? Obviously, you're in the superfood industry, so I'm sure you believe that those different mechanics help you be in your best mindset and best frame of mind. What are these specifics? Let's talk about Everball and, and the superfood industry and the world of health, right? Because there are energy levels and mindset things that are affected by the things that you obviously put in your body. What are the keys sure. for you there? Well, it's uh, this word on my shirt, unevolve. Yeah. And on the back of my hat, yeah. uh, it's a word we created and trademarked. It's the why behind Everball. Um, and it means to move and eat the way you were meant to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Basically move your body and eat real food. That's it. Um, whether it's Everbowl or something else, it doesn't matter whether you exercise vigorously or you just stand at your desk, yeah. move your body, eat real food. Your body's going to respond and you're going to be the best version of yourself. You're going to eat good. You're going to feel good. You're going to sleep good. You're going to look good. And all those things are going to help you also get more confidence, which will make you better at your profession. So it all ties in. I mean, it's fuel in a car. Yeah. You know, you put only you go to a gas station and only put real gas in your car and your car runs. You start putting shit in your in your gas tank, your car's going to break and same thing's going to happen to to us. So yeah. superfoods is just an enhanced way of making sure you're getting nutritionally dense food. that's going to give you the fuel you need to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. So for somebody who's looking to get again, in some way speaking from a personal perspective here, but also to my audience, for somebody who's looking to be in peak performance state, right? I'm an athlete. There's other people here who are just want to be entrepreneurs or athletes and they need to be in peak performance constantly. Where do you yep. start? Well, I mean, again, I see start with what you're consuming, you know, you can't out eat, you can't out, you can't exercise a bad out exercise, a bad diet, right? You can't do these things. Like if you're putting bad fuel in your body, so you really got to start with what you're consuming. You consume food all day. So just make sure you're eating real food, whether it's plant-based, meat-based, paleo, vegetarian, I don't care. Like the yeah. diet style doesn't matter. Yeah. Obviously, if you're near an Everbowl, go to an Everbowl. <laughs> um, but if uh, if you're not, there's plenty of competitors. There's plenty of companies out there that provide real food, but just nothing nothing in a box, yeah. um, nothing yeah. with preservatives to eat real food that actually goes bad and goes bad normally. And, and from there, you're going to start to feel better. And then you'll sleep better. And then at least we've taken care of that side so you can actually put all your effort into your craft. Wow. Well, Jeff, before we close this out here, to the young entrepreneur, to the to the person listening who is feeling lost in many ways and, and, and not knowing where to turn, what do you say to them? Um, like lost as in they need guidance to get started or just guidance on how to be successful? Guidance to get started. <clears throat> well... I think everyone should have mentors and everyone should have a business coach. Always. Um, I always have mentors. I always have coaches. I'm a mentor and I coach people. It's not my main job, but I, I, I've been doing this long enough. Um, and I pay people to be my business coach, uh, to hold me accountable, to make sure that I'm giving my 100%, that if I am slipping, they're my extra set of eyes to ensure I'm there and to help me avoid paying the dummy tax. So I think you need to go find some mentorship, someone who's going to guide you more just on concepts, high level um, 30,000 foot and you need to find a way to invest in yourself and pay a business coach to take you and your business to the next level. Yeah. Um, those things are invaluable. And so that's how I would start. Yeah. Uh, from there, you know, from there, you'll get a better understanding of what areas you need to focus on. And then I would invest time and effort to improve. Right. Well, Jeff, 
an incredibly unique perspective from an incredibly unique entrepreneur, uh, serial entrepreneur, which is a completely different breed as we know now. So Jeff, before we close this out, where can people find you? Social media is obviously easiest at Fenster Jeff, uh, or you can email me connect at jefffenster.com. Um, and then on LinkedIn, I also have an offer for your, for your audience. I have two courses on LinkedIn. Um, if you want them for free, just hit me up on LinkedIn and ask for them. One's on developing, building and leveraging relationship capital. And another one is building a buzz with no money for your brand. Um, they cost money on LinkedIn, so don't pay for them. Just hit me up. I'll send them to you guys for free. And that's also a quick way to, to start getting some, some knowledge. Unbelievable. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody else. You know what to do. If you have not by now, make sure you subscribe to the inspiring young aspirers podcast. We've hit the top 100 charts in the UK. We've hit the top 30 in Portugal. We've hit the top 10 in Ireland and we're continuing to grow every single day, having some unbelievable conversations. So don't just tune in, listen, take notes and change your life based on the advice and tips that these people are giving. Thank you everybody so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.